Uh, we're going to be talking about servant leadership today. And I can think of no better example of servant leadership than my wife cleaning house. Now, everybody hold on with me. Yeah, exactly. See, that's, <laughs> let's all hold on for a moment, okay? Because somewhere deep down, there's like a really sexist, misogynistic joke there that I will get stoned for or sleep on the couch for. And in no way whatsoever am I making that joke, okay? It actually has like real context. There's a real connection here, and I'm going to explain it. So don't just like tune me out and pull up your games on your phone here just like this last little bit, and then if you don't like it, then get out your phones and play games, okay? But, but hear me out first. So when I think of my, my wife cleaning house, right, um, we don't live in a household where it's like my wife cleans house and I bring home the bacon because my wife brings home the bacon, and uh, oftentimes she's still the one that cleans house a majority of the time. I clean bathrooms, okay? Toilets are mine. I think she has that trade-off. She has a weird thing. She's like, I'm not cleaning the toilets. I'll literally do everything else. You just clean the toilets. And I'm like, deal, right? Because when I grew up, my brother and sister did all the chores, and I took out the trash. Um, but uh, my mom's like, no, that's not true. It was true. Oftentimes, I put my stuff at the bottom of my list on, like, my sister's, you know? It's like, this is totally mom's handwriting. Um, but, you know, I don't have a whole lot of great experience with cleaning, so uh, I'll take that trade off any day. But when I see my wife and, and the way that she picks up after my daughter and I and cleans our house... She doesn't particularly enjoy it, right? It's not like she sits there and says, hey, I love to clean house. Like, top 10 things I love to do, cleaning house is number one. For me, it's like all the way at the bottom, right? Somewhere between like open heart surgery and getting hit by a bus. Um, there's cleaning house, probably wedged in the middle. And uh, she doesn't particularly enjoy it, but she does it anyway. So, so why does she, she do that? Um, and she doesn't make a big deal out of doing it either. She just cleans the house. Like, I'll come home one day and the house will be like immaculate, and sometimes I'm still an idiot and I don't say anything about that. And she lets me know. But it's not like she lets me know in a way of like, look what I did. I did such a great job cleaning the house. It's more of like a, if this thing is dirty in 15 minutes, I will kill you. Sort of like announcement. Okay? So I, I'm like, oh, thank you for warning me. I appreciate that. Let me take my shoes off. Uh, see what I can do to, you know, not screw everything up here. Uh, but it's different when I do it, right? Because when I like scrub a toilet, I'm like making a t-shirt, I just scrub the toilets, playing, I had a, I used to play the trumpet, I can't play it whatsoever, but I'm going to buy one just so I can like, like, hey, look at me, you know, wave some flags, I clean the toilet, you all are welcome, I do such a great job, I provide for this family, we have one clean toilet, and she's like, but we have two, sorry, you know, so there's that problem, um, and then, as I said, she doesn't, she doesn't particularly enjoy it, but it's better for our family that it happens. Like, she doesn't care so much necessarily about me. She's like, if you want to live like a pig, I would let you. Um, I just don't want to, and I don't want our daughter to have to live in that, right? So, so she does it for our greater good. One, I'm allergic to everything under the sun. Bad genetics, thank you, mom and dad. Um, like, you name it, I'm allergic to it. Cats, dogs, every type of tree, every type of grass, air, um, stupidity, lots of things I just cannot be around. And so it's better if she cleans the house. So we look at these things, and again, like I said, it's not like I don't ever help clean the house. I'm not saying that. It's not this household where she's expected to fulfill that duty because that's nonsense. Um, but she does it, one, because she loves us, two, out of the goodness of her hearts, and three, because she knows oftentimes I probably won't get it started, right? Like, I'll join in, but I'm never like, hey, let's clean the house. Um, and she does it for our greater good. We lurk 
at, when we look at servant leadership, there's three characteristics we're going to talk about today. This is in no way an exhaustive list. It's not conclusive. We could have a million characteristics possibly about what a servant leader does, what they look like. But we're going to talk about three that I consider um, probably most important. Okay, so we're going to look at that today. The first place we're going to be is in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And this is what I want you to understand. One about servant leaders. Servant leaders see a need and they feel that need. Okay? They see a need and they feel that need. Our house is filthy. Jerrica picks up after. It's not because she's like, hey, I'd love to do this, like I said, or it's her duty or her job, but she just sees the need and she does it because she knows it needs to be done. So we're going to be looking, like I said, in Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 through 26, and this is what they say. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him in on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of him, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Okay, so we look at these, this man's friends, this paralyzed man, okay? Now, this man in society then, a lot like in society today, in order to be provided for, had to rely on others. He had to rely on others. And his friends saw this need. They saw their, their buddy who was paralyzed. He couldn't move. He couldn't work. He couldn't provide for himself. He literally had to <clears throat> just live off of everyone else. And so here his friends are saying, we see this need. We know this Jesus is here. He has the power to heal. We've heard these stories. Let's take our friend. Let's see this need, feel this need. Take our friend to Jesus and see if he can't be healed too. So they see this need. They feel this need. But another thing that servant leaders do and what they did, they don't let obstacles get in their way. Okay, we could all come up with a list of reasons of why we can't do something, right? It's honestly a lot of times easier to do that. <clears throat> I can't... Uh, for instance, I'm getting ready to go back to school to be a special education teacher. Um, talked with jury. I've, I've been accepted into the program. I'm excited about it, and it's going to be good for my family and for me. But there's a whole lot of reasons why I couldn't do it, right? It's going to cost money, and it's going to be stressful, and it's going to take more time out of my day and more time away from my girls. And am I smart enough to do this? Am I capable to do this? Is this really the right thing for me? I can come up with a million excuses of why I shouldn't do this. But honestly, I feel like God has laid this on my heart as something that he wants me to do. And so I'm going to push forward in faith and do it. Not because of my greatness, but because of his. And so I can come up all day with reasons and obstacles why I can't overcome them, why I can't fulfill this purpose in my life. Or I can say, I feel like God has called me to do this, so God will make a way. And just like his friend said, hey, we can't get to Jesus right now, but you know what? If we crawled up on the roof and lowered him through the tiles, we could put him right smack dab in the middle of where Jesus is teaching. And so they did that. 
And what happened? What happened? Their friend was healed. His sins were forgiven. Jesus said, hey, get up and walk and go. And, and here's the greatest thing. This is what I want you guys to understand. At the end of the story, who's given praise? Who's given praise? God. Who's given praise? God. The servant leadership of his friends brought praise back to God. In our lives, when we have opportunities to step up and lead, to step up and be servants, to make ourselves the least among the people and show that God is first, praise comes back to God. That's important. That's vital. That's something that we need to hold on to. I talked with my uncle uh, a couple years ago. I was driving to the airport in Branson, and uh, he talked to me about um, giving up, right, about facing obstacles. Now, for, the, for those of you that don't know, my uncle works and lives in Hollywood. Um, he, by all means, is a successful actor slash director slash documentary filmmaker, um, meaning to me he's never had to be a waiter that I know of. You know what I mean? But he, he can provide for his family and make a living doing the things that he loves to do. But he talked to me on the way because I was dealing at a time with uh, being rejected. Um, this is before my time at Crosspoint. I was trying to get on at a different church, and um, <clears throat> I was down to the final two. And this was, like a, a, quite frankly, at the time, a dream job for me. It would have been following sort of my grandpa's footsteps, and uh, everything just seemed to be working perfectly. I got down to the final two. I knew there was two of us, and then I didn't get it. And I was crushed, and I was just like, why am I doing this? Why, why not give up? Um, and he talked to me about how he literally has a 99% fail rate, okay? When he goes in and tries to put a project forward in front of backers, in front of producers, in front of people who are going to fund his project, his ideas, 99% of the time he gets told no. And rejection is painful because it's like a personal attack, right? It tells us that, hey, maybe we're not good enough. And so, like I said, when we, we face this thing, we see these things, these obstacles can get in our way, and we can say, mm-mm, don't want to do that. But the one time that it works successfully, does it not bring glory back to God that we just talked about? And so you'll, you're going to face times in your life where you see something that you think, hey, I can do this, and you go to fill that role and fill that need, and for whatever reason, it just feels like you're being rejected. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Because the 99 times we get told no are all wiped away by the one time we get told yes. And that's great success in Jesus. The second thing that I want you guys to understand is that servant leaders act with humility, never seeking or needing recognition. Now, I talked to you about uh, my failure with this when it comes to cleaning the house. Like, literally, if I do anything, I want to be celebrated, right? It's like, I got this. You, you, did anybody here watch Cardinals games? Cardinals games, my mom's like, yeah, me. Love you, Mom. That's why we get together. So there's these commercials on Fox Sports Midwest, and it talks about this promotion that on the run, it's a group of gas stations up in St. Louis does. If the Cardinals score six runs, the next day you get, like, any size drink for, like, a dollar or coffee or whatever. It's, and it's, like, it, 50 cents. It's 50 cents. And it's, like, it doesn't take much to earn it. So you have this guy, like, starting to mow the yard, and he starts up his lawnmower, and he walks one step, and he stops, and it's, like, doesn't take much to earn it. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like going to get his drink for 50 cents. Like, that's how I am cleaning the house. I like put the Swiffer cloth on and I'm like, whoop, boom, check me out. I just Swiffered two feet, you know, <laughs> pretty big deal. I know you're all welcome. Uh, but my wife, she doesn't do that. She cleans the entire house and, you know, other than giving me the warning so I don't die, I don't hear anything about it. It's not like praise me, honor me, look how great I am. She just does it. And so we look at servant leaders and, and the ultimate servant leader 
is Jesus. He's not just a servant leader, he's the servant leader. We're going to look in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This is what they say. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Is this not servant leadership? Is this not leadership by making yourself the least among these? Shouldn't have said that. I lost my place. Just kidding. Uh, verse 4. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. As I said, Christ wasn't just a servant leader, he was the servant leader. And in verse 5, if you look at that, we're challenged to have the same mindset as Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. See, I just said that. That's how it works. Challenge in verse 5. And then if we look at verses 3 and 4, it doesn't leave that mindset up to imagination, right? It's not like we have to guess what is Jesus' mindset, how can I ever comprehend? Verse 3 and 4, right here, here we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to your interest, to the interests of the others. Now, I said this a couple weeks ago that, that if all of us could change our mindset from how can that person help me to how can I help that person, this world would be a better place. That is the mindset of Jesus. That's the mindset of Jesus. So if each one of us every day in our everyday lives looked for little things where we could be a servant to others, would our world not be a better place? My family, and Phil knew this gentleman as well, um, along with many, many, many others, uh, said goodbye to a friend this week. His name was Clayton Felton. He was 38 years old. He died of a massive heart attack due to a cyst on his brain. He was a phenomenal human being. I can say that in confidence because tributes poured in from all over uh, the United States, basically, and, and the world of people who have been touched by Clayton's life. And for a 38-year-old man, his funeral, guys, I'm telling you, was packed. There were so many people. And the night before, he had a visitation, and I was at that as well. And literally, the entire parking lot of James River Campus West was full with people coming to pay their respects for a 38-year-old individual. See, I'd always been under the belief that in order to be honored like that in death, that you would have to not only live a good life, but to live a good life for a long, long period of time. But the loss of Clayton has taught me something this week. That it's not necessarily how long you serve, but how well you serve others. You see, Clayton, by all accounts, was humble and kind and generous and a servant. And if you ever had a conversation with him, he would make you feel like you were the only person in the room. We have an 11-year age gap. The last time I really spent any quality time with him, I was eight years old. And this is a memory I have of this man. Because of the life he lived and the impact he made, his legacy truly lives on. 
Wouldn't it be so great if each one of us could say that about our lives? If we could have that type of impact? It'd be pretty phenomenal. Verse 7 tells us, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He took the very nature of a servant. We're going to go to Matthew now. We're going to look at chapter 20. Uh, it's going to be verses 26 through 28. If you'll turn there with me, or if you uh, looked in our Bible app, um, those verses are there as well, but this is what they have to say. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You ever heard Jesus' life broke down in such simplistic terms? Twofold purpose. Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for the ransom of many. To serve, to give his life for others. Both service. Both service. So if Christ is our model, if Christ is who we are supposed to emulate, and his whole purpose was here, was being here to serve, should we not follow in those footsteps? Should we not follow in those footsteps? A third thing I want you guys to understand about servant leaders. Servant leaders act for the greater good, okay? Servant leaders act for the greater good. We're going to look at another passage in Matthew chapter 26. If you'll turn there with me, if you have a Bible like I do, or in the app, or however you're looking, or on the screen, because it will be there as well. Um, but Matthew 26. Now, to me, I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, this is one of the most endearing passages of Scripture to me that is in the Bible. Um, because it shows that Jesus was human. It shows that in some way, somehow, I actually can be like Jesus. Um, and it really just connects me to our Savior, okay? So I want you to hear these verses, and maybe you'll hear them in a different way than what you've heard them before. But chapter 26, verses 38 and 39. It says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Not yet, yet not as I will, but as you will. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus' first prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can never say this. Somebody help me. Gethsemane. You guys know? Mom, say it loud. There you go, that one. Sorry, speech impediment issue or something. Um, but that's his first prayer in the garden before he's led away to his death. And you see what he prays here? He says, God, if, if this can be taken from me, do so. But not my will, your will be done. You see, it shows that Jesus was human. He knew that his purpose was to die. He knew that. Okay, he knew that he was born to die. He came to give his life for the sins of many. And yet still he asked, God, if this can be taken from me, if you can take this cup, do so. Yet if this is the only way, I will go. He acted on behalf of the greater good. 
earlier in Scripture when Jesus is being tempted by Satan, you remember Satan tells him to jump off the top of a building and the angels, legion of angels will come down and catch him because it's spoken in Scripture that God won't let a hair be harmed on his head before it's time, right? You think that if Jesus called for his legion of angels, they wouldn't have come? I mean, think about that. Do you really think that if the Son of God called for a legion of angels, they wouldn't have come? He could have backed out. He could have said, hey, I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. And he could have had that right. There's that whole perfect sinless thing, you know, where he didn't deserve to die. And yet because it was for the greater good of you and I and of everybody that's ever walked this earth, he went to the cross, he shed his blood, and he rose again three days later so that we could defeat death too. He did that for you and for me, and that's something that we can probably never comprehend, all right? But it's the ultimate act of a servant leader that we put others before ourselves, that we act for the greater good. We're big on roles at Crosspoint, and there's a reason for that, because we want each and every one of you to find something that you're passionate about, that you love to do, and that fits with your personality. But you know what? Sometimes you don't have to be in a role to do something that needs to be done, right? Here's a chair that's out of place. We have a team that's responsible for fixing that. But I see it needs to be corrected. There we go. Way to go, Gideon. You failed. I'm just... <laughs> By the way, Gideon does a great job making sure that our environment's ready every week. I was not going to say that, Shane, but since you did, it usually is the Kennard's kids. But as we all know, most of the times it's pastor's kids that are the worst. (laughs) But each and every one of us can see something every day that needs to be corrected. So why not step up and do that? Why not lend a helping hand if we can? After all, if Jesus is willing to give his life for you, you can give two seconds of your time for someone else. Right? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for the ability to serve, to be able to serve one another. Lord, this is something that that you've called us to do. You've placed in our innermost being, God, and and oftentimes um, it seems like when we don't do that, it's because we're fighting it. And I pray, God, that those walls be taken down today, that people stop fighting what you have placed on their lives, that, that the example that was given to us in Jesus is followed by the hearts of each and every man, woman, and child in this place today. That when we see opportunities that we can serve others, we step up and we serve others because we know that it's not only what you want us to do, but because it's what you would do. God, how great an impact we can make if each and every one of us just loved a little more and worried about ourselves just a little less. Self-preservation, it's a natural thing. But it's not the most important thing. A life well lived is so much more important, so much more fantastic and world-impacting than a life centered around self. That's my prayer for each and every person today, God, is that they'll just open their arms and say, God, use me. Let me be an instrument for your success. Show me the way. 
help me to make an impact in this world around me. I'm going to be in the back of the room, and Lord, um, I pray that anybody who has something on their heart today that they need prayer for, that they need to speak about, that they have questions on, that they will come see me. Shane's here in the back as well, and he would love to speak with any individual. We'll have some others around the room. Um, Let somebody just grab another and share their concerns, share their heart with each other. It's in these things that we pray. Amen.